Uh, welcome to the very first episode of the Swish Central Podcast. Uh, I'm Grant. I'm Justin. I'm Shaylon. I'm, An- oh, I'm Andy. <laughs> and this podcast will just be the hub for us to talk anything and everything about basketball, especially the NBA. From NBA news to discussions, this is the home. So for today's episode, we will be discussing uh, X-Factor players for each contending team this upcoming playoffs. So we uh, what is it, decided to you know, just look through the teams that we think are the have the best chances to be able to compete. And for the Eastern Conference, we chose to go from the Pacers to the Bucks, and from the Western Conference, we chose to discuss from the Mavericks to the Lakers. So let's start off with the Lakers. Then, which X Factor player do you guys have for the Lakers? You want me to start? Yeah, go ahead. All right, I put Kyle Kuzma because. So far mm-hmm. this yeah. year, he he has he's been super inconsistent. Like some games, he would go and score like fifteen in the first quarter. In other games, he wouldn't even score ten. So I feel like he's the X factor for the Lakers. Yeah, I think the Lakers need a consistent third option to put them over the edge and like win a lot of uh, games and championships, so stuff like that. They can't oh, just rely on AD and LeBron all the time. Oh, I was I thought a little bit different. I obviously thought about Kuzma, but I think he'll, you know, he'll find his role eventually. He'll settle in pretty well. But I thought that Markeith Morris or Danny Green were more X factors for the Lakers because, you know, it's pretty obvious AD and LeBron they're the focal point of the whole team. But I thought of them too as X factors because I think they have. Uh, they have shown that they can consistently score, you know, double digits if they need to. Because, you know, LeBron and AD can create so much pressure on the defenses that they'll, you know, set themselves up to hit the open threes or open mid-range shots. So, And they they kind of have, like, this expectation, and they've shown that they can play defense uh, pretty well on the opposing twos and threes. So I think that Marquise Morris or Danny Green, they have much more of a role in the Lakers because they can play uh, on both sides of the court. So I chose them as my X-Factors. Yeah, Marquise Morris is an interesting pick. Like, I I sort of forgot that the Lakers have Marquise Morris, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, same. I, I was yeah. going to talk about Kuzma first, but then I was like, oh, wait, when did they get Marquise? I was like, oh, he's more of an interesting pick. Alright, uh, so for me, I had the same player as... Uh, uh, Justin and Jayon, and I said Kyle Kuzma because, you know, when uh, he's able to provide efficient scoring off the bench, it honestly really helps the Lakers' offense immensely. So, like, there were probably games like uh, the one where they were playing the Clippers on uh, Christmas. You know, that was the one game where he was actually, like, doing, like, the best compared to, like, all the games before. So, when James and, like, Davis aren't actually playing... Uh, the offense isn't really the same. So if Kuzma can like step up and help fix those problems, he can like easily score 15 a night and help create points on his own. Like he has been like a couple of in him, in his last couple of years. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. You want to move to Clippers now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. So for the Clippers, or actually do you want to do the MVP or is MVP like obvious for the Lakers? Isn't it pretty obvious? Yeah, it's pretty yeah. obvious. <laughs> All right, yeah. We already know it's Alex Caruso. Yeah, the GOAT himself. Yeah. I'll white, but all right. <laughs> all right, all right. Next, the Clippers. Uh, for my X Factor, I actually have Paul George. Because, I was thinking about him, yeah. Yeah, because like, this year, he sort of had a down year because of the injuries and everything. He was like still recovering. So I feel like if he could be a consistent, solid second option, and like even some games, if he could be the first option to Kawhi, then uh, I feel like the Clippers could go a lot, could go like pretty far. 
uh, for me, I said uh, Montrez Harrell because, you know, he, last year when he was in the playoffs, he actually, like, they were able to contend with Golden State for, like, several games. So he's, like, one of, like, arguably the best reserve players in the NBA. So for them to have him on their team alongside, like, Lou Will when they come off the bench, like Paul George, and uh, when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard can take rest, you know, Montrez and uh, Lou Will can take that next big step for them to continue to push the team forward. And, yeah. Gian, did you have the same pick, Paul George? Uh, yeah, I was debating between Lou Will and Paul George, but yeah, I ended up going with Paul George because I think he needs to be like more consistent, and if he's more consistent, then I think they have like a really good chance of winning. Oh, I see. Yeah, definitely. That's the you know that's like the focal point about Paul George. Can he you know he's shown this whole year that he's kind of been inconsistent, but if he can you know really. Um, you know, get together and prove, you know, why he's the second option. But uh, I have a completely different pick from all you guys. Uh, I stuck with the Morris brothers, and I chose Marcus Morris as their X-Factor because, um, you know, it's kind of like the Lakers too. Uh, Marcus is a really good piece alongside the two-headed monsters in Kawhi and PG, but uh, I see Marcus, you know, as more of on the offensive side if PG or Kawhi, is having like a, a pretty bad game offensively. Uh, I think Marcus is definitely one of the guys you can go to if you know they're in a position where they need scoring. Because this past season, you know, Marcus has shown in New York that he can put up 18-19 and he can create his own shots. And you know, it's kind of like a Lou Will too in a sense because Lou Will can easily you know kind of facilitate the offense and create his own shots. But I think Marcus is definitely more of like a like in my eyes, I think Marcus can really elevate the uh, the Clippers, you know, to another level if he can put up like 15, 16 on a given night. If you know, alongside with Lou Will too, if uh, Kawhi or PG is struggling, so I thought he was more of an interesting pick than you know the Lou Wills, the Montrez, or even the PGs. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So do you guys want to, or for MVP, we all have Kawhi, yeah, right? Yeah. That's a given too. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right. So yeah. we'll move on to the Nuggets. My X factor I have is Jamal Murray because he, he's been like sort of inconsistent. And if he could like be a solid like 18 to 20 points on pretty good efficiency during the playoffs, I feel like the Nuggets may have a chance to upset the Lakers or the Clippers and go to the championship. Yeah, uh, I also have the same pick with Justin because, you know, we always say, like, Jamal Murray needs to take the next step. You know, when is he going to take the next step? And if he does, you know, just can consistently put up, like, 19, 20 points a game, that really does put the Nuggets at a greater advantage because they have all these good complementary pieces. But I think everyone has higher expectations for Jamal Murray because he's shown that he is capable of putting up, you know, good offensive stats. And if he can just consistently do that and really live up to the expectations that a lot of people put on Jamal, you know, they have the, the skills and the strategy to be able to, you know, compete with top teams like the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. I also want Jamal Murray as well. You know, uh, Consistency is honestly really key for him because there's games where he can prove that he can take over with his scoring, but mostly it's about like his shot selection. So as long as he can uh, consistently have a good shot uh, shot selection, then he can like help the Nuggets as their second leading scorer alongside uh, Jokic. Um. I considered Jamal Murray. I was actually going to put him until I remembered uh, Gary Harris is on the team. And um, I put Gary Harris just because I think he needs to be better on both sides of the ball. Like, he actually is pretty good at defense when he, like, locks in and stuff. But this year, like, overall, he's been pretty horrendous. Um, and offensively, before, like, we've seen him, he used to be able to, like, knock down the three pretty consistently and 
uh, he was like a pretty solid third option, but this year we haven't really seen that that much. So I think like if he can get better on both sides of the ball, then I think that um, the Nuggets have a good better chance. Yeah, I was contemplating about uh, putting Gary Harris too because I don't think he's really been the three and D guy that the Nuggets have been looking for this season. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel like Jamal Murray has a bit of more of a burden, and I feel like there's he has a greater leverage. Uh, yeah. With the team. Yeah. So for MVP, I think it's a consensus <laughs> too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jokic. Jokic. But I just want to shout out Will Barton because he's been oh yeah like picking up the load as Gary Harris, as like Shion said, was sort of slipping this year. Will Barton has been like playing amazing this year, so it's just a shout out. But I still have Jokic as my MVP. Okay, then let's move on to the Jazz. Um, what did you guys think? Right, Shayon, start this one. I'm going to go with uh, Mike Conley here. Um, mainly because it's been a really, really bad season for him. Like, There were games where he went like, what, one for, one for 16, stuff like that. And um, he's actually a really good two-way player, or was in Memphis. And I think if he can play better on both sides of the ball, then they can upset a lot of teams. Yeah, I completely agree. I have the same pick. Because in Memphis, Mike Conley, he was like a, he was like basically all-star level, even though he's never made the all-star team. He was like basically there. And uh, if the Jazz could get like just maybe like 80% of Memphis, Mike Conley, then I feel like the Jazz are one of the scariest teams in the West. Yeah. I also have the same pick because um, in Memphis, you know, a lot of people were always saying like Mike Conley was snubbed and everything. But this season, like I just completely forgot about the whole <laughs> talk about Mike Conley being an all-star because gosh, like what happened to his shot? But like Justin said, if at least the Jazz can get 80% of what Mike Conley was in Memphis, that really puts him over the top because I think the one thing that they were lacking this past season was having that point guard that can, you know, facilitate consistently and create his own shot. But if Mike Conley can just play what he was like in Memphis, he fits all of that. And that just makes the Jazz an even more well-rounded team. So, yeah, he was my pick. I actually uh, chose Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> So I said that, you know, so Jordan, uh, he didn't really get like that big of a role in uh, on the Cavs. So after being dealt uh, to the Jazz, you know, since Mike Conley was uh, definitely struggling with uh, performing and health-wise and, and all that, uh, Jordan was able to uh, become that shot creator that they needed alongside like Donovan Mitchell, like when he's resting or, you know, uh, uh, off the bench or he, when he's resting yeah and so when uh he's off the bench Clarkson can come in and provide scoring and uh, uh, as well as uh fill in uh, the role as the team's secondary playmaker that's a very sure. good pick all right how about mvp for the jazz donovan mitchell donovan mitchell, donovan mitchell. Yeah. I can have Rudy Gobert. I'm him for ending the season. <laughs> I just, I just felt like Donovan Mitchell was pretty inconsistent this year, like shooting percentage-wise compared to like previous years. But and I feel like Rudy Gobert still brings his defense, so I just chose Rudy Gobert. I was actually really close to choosing who uh, Bogdanovich as their MVP. Because most <laughs> a lot of nights he was their number one option, but I I just went with Rudy Gobert. Yeah, dude, Bogdanovich, the silent assassin, dude, man, just carried me on fantasy. Holy, yeah, he's nice. <laughs> All right, then let's go to the Thunder. So, uh, my pick for the Thunder was Dennis Schroeder because I think. Uh, even if you're not watching the Thunder consistently, like most people, uh, you know, it's kind of been evident that Dennis Schroeder is in the conversation to be the sixth man of the year because, my God, the man is putting up, like, I would say borderline all-star numbers coming off the bench. 
like 19 points. He's facilitating the offense and, you know, just playing like 25 minutes a night too. And I think Dennis Schroeder is a really big factor in the Thunder's offense because it takes the burden off of Chris Paul. It takes some burden off of Shea to you know, hit the big time shots or facilitate. Oh my gosh, I can't talk today. Facilitate the offense when they need it. And I think that if the Thunder just ever needs someone to hit a shot to, you know, bring back the momentum towards their side, I think Dennis Schroeder is definitely the, the guy to go to because he's shown that all season. So he's my pick. All right, Grant, I have a question for you. Do you think Dennis Schroeder is the is the favorite to win sixth man of the year right now? Um, I would say so because the production that he's bringing off the bench is kind of unmatched compared to guys like Blue Will, Montrez, even though they're putting up great statistical numbers too, I think the greater impact that Dennis Schroeder has had this season on the Thunder is, you know, is much more, um, like, I would say it's much more uh, favorable towards him to win it because the Thunder, first of all, you know, the position that they're in right now, like, uh, they're the 16th, I'm, I'm not mistaken. Like, just the fact that he's such a vital part of that, you know, puts him in a greater conversation for him to win it. Because Lou Will and Montrez, although, you know, they always put up really good numbers each season. I would say that Kawhi and PG, you know, have a greater impact towards their winning. But Dennis Schroeder, you know, there's no real star on that team. So I think it's just uh, everything's in favor towards him to win it. Yeah, I think so too. Sick. All right, so for my X Factor for the Thunder, I actually put uh, Chris Paul's health. If he could stay healthy, I feel like uh, he. I feel like the Thunder will like stay a scary team because they have a lot of players, right? And like, not many. Many of them aren't really that inconsistent. Like all of them, like do their role, and like they're all pretty good. So I feel like Chris Paul's health is the biggest X factor for the Thunder's playoff success. So for me, I also agreed with Grant. I went with Dennis Schroeder. Because honestly, him being potentially the sixth man of the year, he just has the ability to create points, both for himself and others. And that's honestly the only thing that's critical to the success of the Thunder. So he's his, even though he might have not been an all-star, but he has been able to uh, prove that he can be that uh, that player for the Thunder to uh, do well in the playoffs. Um, I also went with Dennis Schroeder because I think that, yeah, as a six man of the year candidate, his ability off the bench to like really um, take over the game against the opposing team's bench, that's going to be like a really big part if, if they succeed or not. Yeah, and for MVP, do we all have Chris Paul? Yeah. 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 All right, so it's yeah. time for a break. Let's cut it off, dude. Dude, I cannot <laughs> talk break. right now. Oh my gosh, what's what is wrong? Dude, I'm not I need to piss right now, sir. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll set up the call right now. Is it recording? Uh, yeah, it's been recording oh. this entire time. Oh, my bad. All right, then. Let's jump to the Rockets then. So, uh, my pick for the Rockets. Uh, shout out uh, KOT4Q. He's going to hate my pick, but I chose Robert Covington <laughs> as my X Factor. <laughs> because... Uh, you know, the Rockets are, I feel like they're going to go full on with the whole small ball lineup, you know, because they invested so much into it. But I think Robert Covington is obviously going to be the key factor for them to succeed in the whole small ball lineup since they traded for him. And it just comes down to if Robert Covington can really hold his ground against opposing bigs. And if he can hit his three-point shot, unlike in KOT4Q's videos, if he can hit his three-point shot consistently, the Rockets 
have the ingredients to, you know, really go far into the playoffs with that team. So my X factor was actually just if the threes like fall in or not, because the Rockets are live and die by the three. So if like their role players could like just hit their three point shots, I feel like the Rockets would just do fine. I went with uh, Eric Gordon because uh, even though he's been consistently struggling offensively, uh, he has. Um, well, there were times where he scored fifty points like one night, and then he would score eight. So his consistency is definitely uh, not the best. But uh, the Rockets desperately need him to provide a consistent scoring on a nightly basis and be like that third star the team needs. Yeah. Um, I went with P.J. Tucker for the exact same reasons Grant chose Robert Covington. I think uh, his corner three is like a pivotal part of what they need from uh, from their team. Like Russell Westbrook and Harden, they're going to create a lot of shots. And um, P.J. Tucker is one of the people that needs to knock them down the most since he gets open a lot. And also defensively, like his ability to hold down people like Jokic and AD, because he's going to have to be guarding them a lot of the time. So, yeah. Wait, Andy, did you say Eric Gordon? Yeah, I said Eric Gordon. Oh, dude. I forgot about him. <laughs> be at that yeah. And it's just disappeared. I mean, he's been... He, yeah, he, he used to be really good, but, like, after he got, like, that big contract, he wasn't... hasn't really been the same. I get you. All right, then let's jump to the final uh, Western Conference team that we had, which was the Mavericks. So, Andy, why don't you start it off for us? All right, so for me, I went with uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, he's been known to uh, have the capability of like catching fire and knocking down big-time shots. And honestly, uh, he gives the Mavs another scoring option besides Luka and Porzingis. So... Uh, Overall, he has been able to knock down a career high, like 41% of threes. And uh, honestly, because the Mavs uh, can be a lethal team offensively with Hardaway uh, scoring about like 16 points a game, it makes it hard for contending teams to be able to keep up with them uh, scoring-wise. Yeah, I have the same exact pick, Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, I feel like... Wasn't it last year, right? He was averaging 20 points on, like, less than 40% shooting. So he's, like, a really inconsistent player. So I feel like if he could just, like, give the Mavericks a solid third option, then I feel like the Mavericks could become scary and maybe upset a higher seed. Come on, I went with Porzingis um, because I uh, because of what he has to do in the playoffs. He has to match up against other like really good bigs, and I want to see how. And it depends on how he uh, plays against them. I think if he plays really well, then the Mavs have a shot to take down some teams. Uh, I definitely had a very boring pick. I chose Dory Finney Smith because. Um, like we talked about the Rockets, his role is kind of like a PG Tucker, Robert Covington, you know, just play defense on, you know, one of their best, uh, what is it, players and, you know, just hit down, hit the corner shots. And uh, that's basically all his role is, but I think he's done a pretty good job this season. Uh, he's been pretty consistent with it, but uh, he can just keep that pace up in the playoffs when it really matters. I think that puts the Mavs in a pretty good position. And I thought about Tim Hardaway too, but... I don't know, I wanted to go a little more conventional, you know, just simple 3 and D, since they're so essential to the game. I just stuck with uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. So, are we moving on to the East now? Yeah. So, Bucks. All right, Andy starts off. All right, all right. So, for me, I went with uh, Dante DiVincenzo. Um, Let's see. So, he... Many have honestly overlooked Dante because uh, he wasn't really that big of a name because he was selected in like the second round. But this year he has been able to score in many different ways. And uh, 
during times when the Bucks couldn't score and against like uh, matchups like against the Lakers, he actually stepped up and scored crucial points against uh, defenders like Avery Bradley and Dwight Howard. So uh, proven that he can score like that. Uh, his defense also uh, uh, makes a mark so he can become that 3D player alongside Giannis uh, when needed. And this honestly makes them a really scary team. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, just a minor interruption. My bad, boys. My bad. My bad. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Good, you're good. Uh, so my pick for the Bucks was kind of uh, based on just what he did last year, and it was Eric Bledsoe. So my guy couldn't hit a three for his life uh, during the playoffs last year. But I mean, this year, it has shown again that he's like, a fitting third option or like the third piece to a winning team just putting up 15 16 points a game on you know pretty good efficiency and i think just for eric bledsoe to hit the open shots when Giannis is facilitating and he's you know putting pressure on the defense you know just hitting at least like 35 percent of his threes puts the bucks at a even greater advantage and you know he's shown that he can guard the opposing guards you know pretty consistently and kind of limit their role on the offensive side. So I think it's just a matter if Eric Bledsoe can, you know, put up the consistent uh, field goals percentages that he's been putting up this past regular season and just carry that over to the playoffs. You know, that just really puts the Bucks at a greater advantage. Yeah, I had the same exact pick as Grant. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, just last year, he's he was like, he absolutely, like, was a stinker. He, like, didn't show up at all. And this year, he was like, this year during the regular season, he went back to his like old self. And I feel like if he could just maintain that during the playoffs, then the Bucks are easily the favorite to come out of the East. Um, I also went with Bledsoe because I think um, Bledsoe as a player, like, yes, he needs to hit a lot more shots, but he also needed to start attacking the paint a lot more, which is his like best ability, right? And also uh, defensively, he's gonna have to go some like go against like some pretty solid PGs and Kemba Walker and Kyle Lowry. So like, can we see that first team all defense again? I mean, my guy's got a six eight wingspan. I don't even know that, so I think he definitely has. He can definitely clamp up. I think I have a lot of faith in Bledsoe though on the defensive side. Yeah, and for sure. Yeah, and we we can't really go into the MVPs now for these teams because it's so given. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So we'll move on to the Raptors, and uh, I chose Marcus All as their X Factor because you know a lot of their role players really stepped up this year, uh, like Norman Powell. You know, really elevating his game offensively and showing that he can put up shots. I could put up 20 points on a given night. And, you know, Marcus Stahl, I think he knows that he has less of an offensive, you know, role within the team. But I think the biggest factor for him is the defensive side because he's shown that he can consistently lock up guys like Joel Embiid. I mean, Embiid is his son. So, you know, he's shown that he can, he has the defensive tenacity to, you know, guard the best big man. You know, that's his role pretty much. But alongside that, if Marcus Stahl can just, you know, Keep doing that and facing out the floor and hitting a couple threes a game. <laughs> that's gonna really put the Raptors in a good position against, let's say, like the the Celtics or the Bucks. I think they're definitely in a greater advantage if Gasol can just stick to that rule. So I had uh, Norman Powell because, as Grant said, he's like stepped up his game a lot this year, and I feel like if he could like keep, he could stay consistent to that during the playoffs. Then the Raptors will have a go-to score alongside the uh, Pascal Siaka, and yeah, I feel like I feel like he will just elevate the team a lot. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Here go ahead, Shion. Oh, never mind. Okay, so while Shion is gone, uh, so for me, uh, I chose OG Aninobi. Uh, proven in the past, he's been a primary defender. Uh, against like uh premier players like uh, LeBron James. But even though he's only 22 years old, his defensive ability shouldn't be overlooked since uh, he's consistently shut down 
uh, premier players. So uh, during this year's playoff run, he would uh, have to spend time uh, guarding players like Spencer Dinwiddie, Paris LeVert, or Jason Tatum. So he, if he can carry that versatility and aggressiveness he has had on the defensive end, the Raptors can seriously make a push in the playoffs. Um, I went with Norman Powell, like Justin said. Uh, I think they need a spark plug off the bench. Like last year, a really big part of their championship run was that bench depth that they had and um, scoring from players like Fred Van Vliet. Um, and I think Norman Powell is that player this year. He's averaging like almost 16 points per game on like pretty solid efficiencies. And also, he's not a bad defender. I'm pretty sure he's a solid defender. So, yeah. Yeah, so, and MVP, we obviously have yeah. Pascal. Yeah. Uh, actually, does anyone have Lowry? I'll be surprised. <laughs> no. 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 I was thinking about it, but Pascal was too good this year. Mm-hmm. I want to give a shout-out to Norman, too, because just a fantasy piece, too. <laughs> <laughs> and I love these guys just on the fantasy side. All right, so for the Celtics... I had Gordon Hayward as my X Factor because at the beginning of the year, Gordon Hayward, he was like going crazy, averaging 20 on like good efficiency. And then he like injured his hand again or something like that. And so then since he came back, he hasn't been like as consistent as like he was before. I feel like if he could step his game up to like how it was at the beginning of the season, the Celtics could be a really scary team. Uh, I also have the same pick with Justin and kind of like the same reasoning, you know, since Jalen Brown and Tatum, you know, really took a bigger jump this year. Uh, Gordon obviously has less of a burden on his shoulders to be a vital role within the offense and the team. But I think he's really shown this year that he's coming back to his zone after having like a really bad season last year, uh, statistically. And if he can just put up shots when the top scoring options like Kemba or Jason are struggling, uh, you know, they can't really create a scoring opportunity. I think Gordon Hayward definitely has shown that he can do that and he can create, um, you know, something out of nothing within the offense. And if he can't just do that on a nightly basis in the playoffs, I think, you know, like Justin said, the Celtics are a really dangerous team to play. So that's my pick. Uh, so for the Celtics, I went with Daniel Tice. And uh, for this season, Daniel Tice has uh, contributed to Boston's defensive rating as when he's on the floor, he actually helps them uh, by ranking them third in the NBA for defensive rating. And so his versatility and uh, defensive effort has been key to Boston's overall success this year. And uh, as long as he is able to handle guarding centers like Joel Embiid, uh, the Celtics can uh, make make it far. Uh, I went with Kemba Walker because he's going to be going against some uh, very good defensive point guards like Simmons, Lowry, and Bledsoe. So I'll, and we haven't seen him in the playoffs for a while. So like, I want to see what he's able to bring to the table scoring-wise and facilitating-wise. Yeah, I think, I think everyone's excited to see Kemba back in the playoffs and you know really showing what he can do. Yeah. I want to see that March Madness Kemba come to life. And then for MVP. MVP, uh, I feel like it's a little bit divided here, maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it is. It is it? <laughs> Not Tatum? Tatum. 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 Never mind. Yeah, Tatum. Okay, never mind. I, just, <laughs> I, <didn't laughs> yeah. I was thinking about picking Kemba, but then I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. The, the end of the year stretch that Jason Tatum had, it just like put him over Kemba for me. Yeah, for sure. It's averaging like 30 points per game. Yeah, I really thought we were going to be split there, but you guys proved me wrong right away. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So All right, so. Right. Going oh, with, yes. yeah, Grant, you have to start. See what you have. <laughs> yeah, Grant, you have to start. I have um, two picks. It's kind of breaking the higher standards for just one, but I had to pick two people here. So uh, my picks are Jay Crowder and Derek Jones Jr. because... When it comes to the Heat, I think they've shown that they're such a well-rounded team. And they've definitely improved on the three-point shot this year because last year they were oh, they were atrocious on the three-point line, you know, but they have so many weapons now. And 
I think Jay Crowder is still such an underrated move that not a lot of people talk about because you know everyone focused on uh, Iggy, but I think Jay Crowder just bringing something else to the Heat that they really need that consistent point shooting. And when Duncan Robinson is off the floor, you have another option off the bench, Jay Crowder, who can easily put up four or five threes off of you know passes that Jimmy Butler or Bam creates. So you know he's another guy that the Heat have off the off the bench that really boosts their bench and gives them an advantage when it comes to you know the bench uh, matchup. And for Derek Jones, you know mobility and versatility is all about the Heat's defense, and Derek Jones just fits that mold. He's, he has such a long wingspan, he's quick, and he's really athletic. So Derek Jones has the capability of guarding, I would say, one through four. And he's shown that this past season with his incredible uh, wingspan. So, you know, he's just another option besides Bam and Jimmy to, you know, if they ever need a switch or they're having trouble cutting off a guard or a wing, you know, driving to the basket, you have Derek Jones as another option for them to you know, stick on to their uh, one of their best offensive players. And I think Eric Jones, it's not more of his offensive skills because he's not a really consistent three-point but I would say he's a really big threat when it comes to cutting and driving towards the basket. It creates a lot more opportunities for dump-offs or, you know, free throws. So, yeah, those are my two picks. So, for my X-Factor pick, I actually put Tyler Hero. Because he's been, like, he could be one of the best players, but then sometimes he's, like, non-existent on the court, too. And he's, like, a spark plug off the bench. And I've seen, like, some games where at the end, he was, like, just super clutch, hitting clutch threes. And I feel like if we could get that Tyler Hero for the playoffs, then uh, he could easily make it to the conference finals and even further. So for the Heat, I uh, agreed with Grant and chose Jay Crowder. Uh, so Crowder has been known to have played big games throughout his career, uh, either playing solid defense on the perimeter or shooting the lights out. So as long as he performs the way he has, uh, scoring uh, double digits after he was uh, traded to the Heat, and uh, as well as, well as uh, playing defense, the Heat may actually surprise many contending teams with their depth. Um, I went with Bam, but specifically his defense, because he's going to go against a lot of um, good players, right, that he's going to have to guard a lot of times. He's going to have to go against Giannis. He's going to have to go against Embiid. He's going to have to go against probably Siakam. And I think his defense and how he guards those, like, number one options is going to really dictate how far they go in the playoffs. I don't want to just talk too much about the Heat because then I can go on for hours, so I'm holding myself back. <laughs> but for you guys, uh, I think this is a consensus too. MVPs, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking yeah. about putting Bam. I was yeah. Yeah, I Bam almost too. I would give Cole MVPs, honestly. I think Bam contributes just as much as Jimmy Butler this season. Alright, so for the Pacers... Shayan, what's who's your X factor? Um, I'm gonna go with um, Oladipo, of course, because he was their best offensive player last year, and this year the Pacers they've been pretty below average offensively. Their defense has kind of carried them to where they are right now, and Oladipo actually brings both sides of the ball, all NBA level defender, and uh, before his injury he. He was really great offensively, and he was actually becoming more of a facilitator as well. Yeah, I also have Victor Oladipo too. If we could just get like a partial of like what he was uh, before the injury in the playoffs, then I feel like the Pacers could easily upset maybe like the Heat or the Celtics in the first round. I don't know about the Heat, but. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I also have Victor Oladipo because, you know, we've seen last year, he has the capability to lead a team, and he's shown that he's an all-star level player. And, you know, I think right now he's being evaluated right now, whether he's good to go to play for at Orlando. But I think that, you know, the Oladipo is obviously an all-NBA all player, all-defensive player. And I think the Pacers just need a consistent guy like that, you know, because 
you have Sabonis, right? You have Malcolm Brogdon, but they're all really good pieces. But I think Victor Oladipo is just like the like symbolic of offense and defense within the Pacers. You know, the guy that can do both. So you know, Victor Oladipo just really puts them at that greater level, and they do have the capability of upsetting a team like that. I don't want to admit it, but I think they definitely do. <laughs> Uh, I think we have a consensus here. I also went with Victor Oladipo. You know, it's uh, it's pretty simple. They just need another player alongside Sabonis and Brogdon. So as long as he can be that star that he was before his injury, they can definitely uh, you know upset, but uh, can potentially upset some teams in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and then MVP. I'm assuming. Sabonis? Sabonis. Sabonis, yeah. Um, I would like to yeah, give some to Brogdon, yeah. too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Poor guy injured. Uh, I also want to talk about Miles Turner for a second because um, last year in the playoffs, we really did not see much offensively, and I think uh, him, him and Sabonis offensively this year, if they play like really well offensively, then that's where I think that they could really succeed because defensively he's he's always going to be really good like Adam and fancy he got me like four or five blocks every time and uh so yeah. yeah I think when it, I saw a post recently where uh they were kind of saying how like we should stop you know really hyping up Miles Turner not because I think we've seen his peak and I kind of you know I think everyone should you know kind of fall into that idea because I think this is the best Miles Turner we'll see you know we shouldn't expect too much from him offensively Besides, you know, being able to stretch the floor, obviously hit, you know, two or three threes a game. But I think he's shown that he's definitely a all defensive level center because Mans can he's almost at Rudy Gobert's level when it comes to defending the rim. But I think it's really time we should stop putting higher expectations on Turner because I still see people, you know, critiquing Miles for not taking another jump. You know, being like a 16-17 point scorer, but I really think this is it with what we're going to see with Miles Turner. I feel like he could easily become like a Brook Lopez type player. You're like, yeah. he's really good on defense, protecting the paint, who can also like stretch out the floor really well. Yeah. I think him and Brook Lopez are, I feel like they're going to be like that ideal mold like uh, that every team needs when it comes to having a center like that. I think they're going to be the model. All right, so moving on to Sixers. Yes, uh, Andy, why don't you start us off? All right, so for me, I went with Shake Milton. Uh, yeah, so uh, injuries have honestly been a big problem for the 76ers. And uh, during that time, uh, Shake was able to provide offense for the 76ers. Uh, before the season ultimately ended, he was actually averaging, like, I think 19 points per game while shooting, like, a scorching 59% from the field. So for the 76ers, this means that uh, they may have found a valuable asset and offensive contributor that they desperately need alongside Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I like that pick because I forgot Mans had a pretty good game like pretty good stretch like that one game against the Clippers yeah, I remember I had him on my fantasy team for uh, so I went with a pick that you know the player that a lot of people have been talking about this year when it comes to the Sixers and it's Al Horford because you know it really hasn't worked out this year with Al Horford and Embiid being in the court at the same time and I think it just causes a lot of you know Mayhem and it's just a lot of trouble for the Sixers because I think it's just too big of a lineup. But Al Horford, I feel like he's still a necessary piece for the Sixers, obviously, because he brings the defensive, you know, minded skills. He can knock down the shots if, you know, he can. Because I think this season he's shown a little bit of more inconsistency when it comes to stretching out the floor. But for me, I think the biggest factor for the Sixers to really go deep. Uh, like everyone thought of before the season started, is if Al Horford can just come to his own, whether it's, you know, possibly having him come off the bench, I'm not sure, but, you know, just whatever it takes for Al Horford to be in the best position, for him to play like himself, like on the Celtics, and just be a, you know, 
just like a leader on the defensive side and just playing his role on the offense. Because I just haven't seen Al Horford, you know, play to the expectations like we all had, like when he was on the Celtics. For me, that's just the biggest factor for the Celtics, Celtics, the Sixers, to um, make a deeper push than we all thought. Yeah, I I actually chose Tobias Harris because I feel like he is the one who would be, like, trusted with the last shot on close games. So I feel like he has to, like, if he could step up his, uh, like, offensive game and, like, become, like, uh, almost like the leader on the offensive side of the court, I feel like the Sixers are, like, will, like, sort of find their potential. Uh, I also went with Tobias Harris because um, I think he's one of, if not their best, like, shot creator. Uh, he's their probably their best three-point shooter. He's, and, wait, do they, do they still have Redick? No, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's, like, Zion, bro. <laughs> yeah uh, he's, like, probably their best three-point shooter. Um, and I think how he's used in the offense really kind of determines how far they go because, um, he can't just be a corner sitter all game. He needs to actually uh, create shots for himself and take people off the dribble like he used to in uh, in L.A. with the Clippers for a while. So, yeah. And MVP, I'm guessing we all have the same. Embiid. Yeah. Wait, I chose Ben Simmons. Honest, because I respect that. I respect it. Look, I, I know Joel Embiid obviously is more talented, but I think Ben Simmons has just been a little more consistent this year. Like he's really shown he's de- he's like a defensive player of the year candidate because he can guard virtually anyone on the court. He's so versatile, and you know, still the offensive side is lacking. But I think Ben Simmons has such a great impact on the defensive side and offensive side too. Like, I just have to give it to Ben. You know, but Embiid, he's right there. He's right there. So, any other topics you guys want to talk about? Um, bold predictions. Another you any bold predictions? <laughs> I mean, technically, we didn't release it, so we could talk about it. Oh, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Never happened. All right, bold prediction. Miami Heat. We'll get swept by the Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yo, yo, I don't want this slandering on here, dude. <laughs> nah, I'm Wait, so that means they're gonna be the eighth seed, is what you're saying? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 Miami would never be in a position like that. Yeah, so so yeah, so second round. No, crazy. Don't ever. <laughs> no, but like honestly, the Heat are actually really good with their depth and everything. Yeah, I feel like they they could easily push the Bucks and seven. Yeah, they have Andre, even though he hasn't really proven anything like, about what he was before. But you know, he's really a good playoff player. Though, yeah, so. yeah, definitely. He'll show up when it's when they need him the most. And no, I think I'll say this, um, you know, until uh, I die. But Miami is such an underrated team; they're gonna make an upset. Like, like put that. Like write that down. Like they're gonna upset a team. I know for sure. Whether it's the Bucks, I don't know, dude. I just see them being being the underdogs, but they're still gonna come out on top because, like Andy said, their versatility, their depth, it's insane, and they've shown that they can win against the top teams like the Bucks, the Raptors, not the Lakers or Clippers yet. But you know, if it makes the finals, still remember you know, that. I'm saying there's a good chance, but if they do make the finals, I think they just have all the pieces necessary to match up well against those teams. Yeah, for sure. Um, I actually want to talk about the Nuggets. Um, I think, <laughs> I think they, no matter who they face, I think they'll be pushed to seven and possibly an upset. I don't think they have that type of consistency on their roster, and I think that someone like, okay, if they face like the Thunder, right? I think Steven Adams is a very good defensive center, and he could play good enough defense on Jokic, while CP3 and Shea play good enough defense on Jamal Murray, where they can possibly push it to seven or an upset. 
Uh, we just need to label Shayon as a Nuggets hater. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wait, what about the Mavericks? What about the Mavericks? Do you still think it's going seven against uh, the Mavericks? Oh wait, who did I think they're? Oh, against the Clippers, I think yeah, six or seven. Wait, no, I mean the Nuggets. Let's say like the Nuggets matchup with the Mavericks. Who do you think? Like, do you think it's still going seven? No, I'll say Nuggets in like six. Okay. Nuggets in five, bro. Nuggets in five. Shayon is holding back. He's going to say something even more. Yeah, I, I was holding back yeah. there. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, from now on on this podcast, we're labeling Shayon as the Nuggets hater. Everyone just needs to know that now. I mean, I can see the Rockets, like, upsetting the Nuggets. Yeah. But, like, I feel like if it's the Mavericks or even the Thunder, I still think that the Nuggets will probably, like, beat those two. I think pretty much every team has a chance of upsetting, except like the Magic and the Nets. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about those teams. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. That's, like everyone, I think no, they know too that their chances aren't that big, but uh, it's always worth a shot. That's tough, man. I would live to see the the day that the Wizards or like the Nets upset somehow, somewhere. The Wizards are too far off, right? To like, exactly. And Davis yeah. Bertans just said that he's not going to play, so they yeah. he just lost mm-hmm. the score. So that means Rui Hachimura is averaging twenty. Right, bro. That's, that's that's more bold than the Heat. <laughs> Rui Hachimura. I mean, 20. he averaged like thirteen during the regular season, and like there was like this week where he just went crazy and averaged like twenty five or something like that. Uh, shout out to Rui. Got a Asian representation, but Justin just a little delusional because he had him on fantasy too, so he was riding a little too much on the Rui hype train. He was nice though. He was nice. Asking too much though. You're asking way too much for him. <laughs> he was nice though. All right, so it's just the end. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for listening to our first ever episode of the Switch Central podcast. Uh, you know we're gonna get better at this, so you know sorry if it was a little shaky, it's awkward. But, you know we're just getting used to it. So yeah, uh, hope to see you guys. Uh, I keep saying that. I hope to uh, hope you guys can tune in for our next episode, and we will see you then. Peace. Bye. Peace. Peace.